0: What's up, fam? I'm Jazz, and this is Black Executive, a networking podcast for Black creative pros by Black creative pros, sharing inspirational stories, actionable advice, and giving away the game to succeed in your business and your career. Join the network where dreamers become doers and the aspiring become inspired. Listen and watch on blackexecutive.com. Let's get to it. What's up, Black Executive fam, and welcome back to another episode of Season 2 of Black Executive Podcast. I'm your girl, Jazz, and today we're talking to Rod Pride. Rod is a designer and the owner of We Brand Culture, a web design company that designs and builds amazing things. Welcome to the show, Rod. Glad to be here. Good, good. good. I'm I'm glad to have you on the show. Um, I know that you're one of my guests that I've known before the podcast. Uh, so it's always interesting to like watch uh, other creatives' journeys and kind of what you go through. So for our listeners who don't know you, can you say um, who you are and how did you get into the world of design? Uh,
1: well, I'm Rod Pride, And the way I got into it, well, first, like I said, I'm the owner, well, one of the owners of uh, We Brand Culture. Um, which we, I mean, I've always been doing web designs probably since I was like 26. I stumbled across Wix when they first, very, very first started, like mm-hmm. before people even knew what they were. And I had to make a quick website for somebody, didn't know what I was doing. It was terrible. Didn't have any <laughs> skills. I just knew how to do graphic design. So I was just making blocks and putting it all over the page or whatever. Ended up making something that worked. They liked it. And that's what started it. Um, prior to that, I mean, I've always been in the like art. But never knew how to bring it into the digital space mm. so took a break from that and then finally got back to it. Um, as far as what got me to where I am now um, it came from the demand I was doing freelance mm. and um, I just needed a way to kind of vet customers so I raised the price and made it an agency but not me me and a uh, mm. partner of mine we raised the price to vet people out so we mm-hmm. started getting higher quality Customers and other people would kind of just fall off once you, you know, hit them with a price. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That usually what happens when I want to pay for your work. <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> yeah. So um, I noticed that you have a background in graphic design and also computer science. So uh was able to really balance like that art and tech background. So what how have you kind of shaped that through your career?
1: Um. Well, I taught myself how to code um i started with the you know typical html css um i already knew how to design so before the boom where everybody's a designer now i was already designing and mm-hmm. i was pretty good at it i mean i had really no formal training on how to design mm-hmm. i just had an eye for it like i had a pixel perfect eye for it i knew where stuff should be how i should mm-hmm. be laid out i knew how font should look like until i started to formally teach myself i kind of was just going off what i felt looked good mm-hmm. and um As far as like balancing it. I mean, right now you have to. If you can't balance design and code, you're pretty much out of the picture at this point.
0: Mm -hmm. You gotta
1: wear both hats, especially if you wanna become like a UI designer or something like that. Gotta be able to know how to do HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, which is kind of difficult for most people to pick up, but gotta know gotta know it if you wanna be that today.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like if you are in a position where you don't have to know how to code, it, it's if you're with one of those huge companies. Like, yeah. you no, know, I have, I'm with a huge company. So some of the designers that I have that I work with on a daily basis, they know a little bit, but they don't have to do it because we have like a dev team. But yeah, especially like if you're in a smaller company or even in a company, like a lot of companies have been downsizing this stuff lately. So, you know, when creators have to go which creators are going to stay? The ones that can oh, yeah. do multiple things. <laughs> yeah. So even though I don't have to do UI design on a daily basis, I'm always putting that reminder out there. Like I can do a little bit and not a yeah. lot, but I can, I can, I can have a little bit. Yeah. You can make it. You can make it. Okay. So, you got into the tech space as a creative, you know, so you kind of you're like an artist, but you also are a professional and you can navigate like on the product side and everything. So how did you intentionally go about leveling up your skills to really evolve in your profession?
1: Uh, I mean, it's it all starts from self. You got to want to be better. So, I mean, we live in an age now where there's so much information that it can be overwhelming. Mm. So if you don't know how to organize the information, you'll get lost. So mm-hmm. I started from ground level like i went from like a entry level business analyst that wasn't i didn't know anything about any type of product anything i was just new Mm -hmm. and i got into that at a later stage so i was kind of i came in it with a background of design but i didn't know the product side of it so when i got into Mm -hmm. that i just started learning start learning from my peers reading books um i'm on blogs i'm watching youtube videos i'm doing tutorials i'm learning every i'm taking in everything that i can right like my 8 to 2 a.m., 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. was self-study when I didn't, you know, have my children or whatever. So from – and then when I did have them, it was from 10 to 2. So I was always putting in six to four hours a night. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really watch much TV. I do watch sports. I do know what's on TV. I just don't watch a lot of it because I'd rather try to level up, level up my skills, which I kind of did that within a five-year time span. I, I shot up to where I am mm-hmm. now in my professional space. So It didn't take long, but, you know, it's all up to the person
0: yeah yeah so can you talk more about that the importance of being a well-rounded creative and like not just focusing on understanding the the art side of it but also the business side of the industry
1: um it's uh it's not an easy balance but i mean you got to give and take because uh sometimes you know as a designer my designer brain wants to do this mm. and you gotta you gotta do what the stakeholders want even though it's not the best looking thing it might be the most functional so mm-hmm. you have to be able to learn both sides of it. And then I've actually not saying I'm just super expert at design. I kind of left learning design alone and went more to learning more of the business stuff. So mm-hmm. I started learning like the development life cycle, uh, all three methodologies. I mean, I do more agile, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, I came from waterfall at a company yeah. I was at, um, but we move more agile and a lot more companies that have been kind of vetting me are agile. They like, what I do or whatever. So yeah, you definitely got to go out there and learn, but like I said, the information is out there. It's, it's, you know, you got to learn information and, and apply to where, you know, apply to where it fits.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think you, like you said, a lot of companies in the past were more of a waterfall methodology and now they're moving into agile and you have to keep up with those trends in the industry to make sure that you understand that terminology because it's nothing worse than like being in a meeting for a tech company and they're talk they're like so you know what's your work side do you do x or y and you're like i don't even know
1: <laughs> yeah, I, had a, I had a guy we interviewed uh he came in we asked him uh what was waterfall and he went into some other i don't know what it was and he was a mm-hmm. black guy and i felt bad uh mm-hmm. so I, I did reach out like Five six months after that, because I didn't want to do it right away, I waited till we mm-hmm. hired, and then I reached out and then kind of just put him on some game, and he was he was floored. He's like, "Man, I did not know what I was walking into." I was like, wow. a, lot people, "A lot of people don't, you know." That's why you should always read up on the company before you apply. So,
0: yeah, well, kudos to you for reaching out and letting him know. We gotta we gotta help each other out. I mean, because I'm sure at that point it was like y'all knew he wasn't gonna. Oh yeah, get there. Pres-
1: <laughs> I, I started. I'd close my notebook. I was like, "I'm sorry, I'm gonna let them do the rest of this." So, I mean, I already knew.
0: Oh my gosh, bless his heart. Okay, so that 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 brings up an interesting point for me. So I'm um a part of the interview circus and stuff too at my company, and so I know it can be a struggle sometimes to um when you do have like uh candidates of color. I don't know how your company operates, but for me, it doesn't happen enough as I want. Um, and you want to help? You kind of want to make sure that they're like um. Getting through the door and haven't being treated the same as the other candidates. So can you talk a little bit about like how you've kind of used your influence in that space to kind of onboard more creatives of color?
1: Um, well, as far as my my current job, is not many of us there, especially that do what I do. I mean, there mm-hmm. are a lot of um people, I mean, on my specific floor, it's not at all as many mm-hmm. people as I would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we do get an opportunity to uh, interview people of color, I definitely try to... Well, I'm always in there, but I try to, you know, look deeper into what they have beyond their resume. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes they may leave stuff out, and I'm the type of person, I'm going to go mm. look at your LinkedIn. Mm. And I'm going to look at your Facebook. Not say I'm looking for nothing like that. I just want to see if you got some examples of what may make you a better candidate for this job. Mm. Um, and I mean, I haven't done it in a while because of obvious reasons, so we haven't been hiring mm-hmm. like that, but... Um, I try to get in there and help people as much as I can. And when we do get somebody in the door, I mean, it's an unknown, unknown. You see them on the floor, you know, you kind of look at each other and then, you know, you may Mm -hmm. have a conversation at the break room somewhere real quick. I mean, that's normally Mm -hmm. how it is because we are a very heavily dominated uh, white company. and Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's starting to show, you know, show for more people in. Um, But Mm -hmm. it's not happening as fast as I wish it would. But
0: yeah, yeah, I think it's it's just. A slow process, but it's it's happening. Um, but yeah, I know that's that's important work and I know any opportunity I can to like be on an interview circuit or um, be a part of a recruiting campaign, you know. I'm trying to do that because I'm like, we gotta get more of us in the door, you know. And it, it, it can be dismal sometimes when you look at the numbers compared to like the overall company of how many creatives of color are there and you're like Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. So it's good to know that um, you're also a part of that mission. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now uh, you've had the experience of kind of like working in a professional setting and owning your career there and then being an entrepreneur and owning your own business. So during this time, I'm sure you see a lot of patterns and a lot of different things in the industry that stand out to you. So what is something that you have an unpopular opinion on be it about the creative process or like the product design process the business side of the industry whatever
1: um i mean just from a the just from the i guess the i mean i guess the digital marketing space i would say everybody thinks they can do it i mean there's a new Mm -hmm. digital marketing agency popping up every day and a Mm -hmm. lot of people that do it don't really understand what they're doing they just see an opportunity to outsource you mm-hmm. not. they've never been a part of the process of making a product from A to Z and shipping mm-hmm. it out. They know, let me go to here, hire this person and then go here and deliver it. They don't even know how to do the project management part of it. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you knew how to do the PM part of it, you could easily facilitate and you can get, and you can build an agency doing that. But a lot of mm-hmm. people don't know that they think, Hey, Oh, this person's doing it. Not knowing that I got 15 years of design and development skills under my belt and, mm-hmm. I, and I do PM in at, at my job. So it's like, I'm a project mm-hmm. manager at work by trade and I do this outside of work. So I'm like mm-hmm. the best of all worlds to bring it together. So mm-hmm. not saying that people can't do it. I just wish people take more time to educate themselves on what they're doing.
0: Mm. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. And I feel like a, a lot, there are a lot of roles that get saturated like that, especially oh, yeah. like <laughs> in the, in the tech space. It's so quickly people, everybody wants to do it. Like, just like you just said earlier, everybody was on the design wave and going with that and (laughs) trying to keep Uh, up with that trend.
1: (laughs) I mean, even, and even on the professional side, um, everybody thinks coding is easy. Yeah. It's not not easy. No, nowhere near easy It's I mean, to, to be able to code professionally is like when I got to where I, I am now and the role that I'm in and I'm working so closely with the developers, I'm like, I don't know what y'all are coding for, but this is not it. Like, these guys are like geniuses.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, like, an, it's, 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 it's crazy. It,
1: like, it this is. is. This is not just no HTML tags. It's not that. This is front end, back end, database, servers, all kind of stuff to bring it all together. And one guy knows how to do this. So I'm like, mm. what about the guy that's oh, yeah. at home tapping on his computer, making a web page that says Hello World or something like that? I'm like, this yeah. guy needs to probably go get a mentor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think I definitely think that's it, especially when you have, there are a lot of resources out there that make it accessible. Um, and I think that's a, that can be a positive thing in some way because, you know, you have a lot of people that are self-taught and they, and they learn a lot and they do well because some people can pick up on it like that. Um, but, you know, like you said, when you get into a world where you're actually dealing with devs on a regular basis and you see the intensity and the level and the meticulousness of what they're doing and, and the importance of having clean code. And that, that functions and, you know, and when you have a multi-million, multi-billion dollar asset on top of that, that is it's depending on that <laughs> when you have clients who are running that software and depending on that, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a whole nother ball game, but yes, yeah, definitely, definitely not easy, especially coming to me from someone who has tried to learn several times <laughs> to code in different languages and has failed miserably.
1: <laughs> and and they, don't, they never tell them about the contractual agreements that are behind mm-hmm. that too. So it's not as fun as they think it is to sit around and code and you have to be within a certain contractual agreement. Otherwise you can be out of mm-hmm. compliance and be fine mm-hmm. or something like that. It's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the productivity level is crazy. Like even I know I was surprised to learn not too long ago, like with some of the billing at my company, like how they have to track with Jira. Um, they track a little, cause we work in Jira too, but they have to track their hours and stuff and when they're coding a little bit differently. So even like the way that they get paid is evaluated differently. Um, I thought that was crazy because I just I just assumed we all got paid on the nah. same model, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, like I do billing for my particular product that I that I'm over, and I use Jira and I use Planview, and they definitely have to mm-hmm. track their time. Mm-hmm. I got to do the reports, and I have to make sure they met ma- it's, it's yeah, it's uh, it can be a little tedious.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So with you having the best of all worlds in your role. Um, a lot of creatives listen to the show, you know, So, your choice creatives. So how do you feel like creatives can work best with product management and like, how can they help um, make the product process easier from start to finish? Like, you know, I think,
1: I think that's more on the product manager they have to be more mm-hmm. empathetic of who they're working with. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just always be get it done, get it done, get it done. It's like, who am I dealing with? You know, you got to mm-hmm. know the strengths and the weaknesses of people you're working with. Cause not everybody is going to know, how to jump in right away and do something like in my company, a lot of devs rotate between different accounts. Mm. Like they may work on this account and they'll move to this account, but they've been at the company 20 years. So mm-hmm. they know, they know the premise of it. But if you bring a brand new creative into the mix, they don't know anything. So as a product manager, mm-hmm. you should be able to know what dev or what designer or what, whatever the role is, who to sit them with to learn. Cause there's really mm-hmm. no, and that's another misconception about, that a lot of people think there's a training manual. When you when you get into these jobs, there's no training. <laughs> no. You drop next to a person and, and they hope and pray that this person is nice enough, they have to be nice <laughs> to teach you what they want. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've been in some situations where sit next to a guy, I'm like, man, this guy ain't gonna teach me nothing. And end up teaching me the best, you know, the best stuff he could teach me. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think it's just more of just knowing your people, which most managers should definitely work on. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of training on how to be more empathetic. Uh, and I think a lot of companies are swaying that way now. It's not as,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I mean, there are micromanagers, but they're they're starting to lighten up a little bit. They do it in different ways now. Micromanaging yeah. is a little bit different now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. Definitely feel like you you think you're going to get on-the-job training. I think... That just has to be. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it just has to be let go. Like that idea that you think somebody's gonna come and hold your hand Definitely when not. you be uh, when you're onboarded to this team in the tech world. That just does not happen as often as as you think at all. Um, you literally would just show up and they're like, okay, and so this is what you're working uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's
1: it. When I got where I'm at now, they gave me six. They gave me a six month window to learn the job. I did it in two. But I didn't mm-hmm. know I, I didn't know I had six months. Not saying I would have took the whole six months.
0: Mm-hmm. But when I
1: took it over officially from the guy that I took it from, they was like, "Oh man, we gave you six months to learn this. You learning it too?"
0: Mm-hmm. And they sent me
1: sent me to New York for a meeting. So I'm still new, mm-hmm. but. I'm on the plane headed here to do a meeting that I don't know anything. I still don't know the job. I know how to do the job, but I don't know the ins and outs of the job. Right. Right.
0: I mean, and I think that's just a part of like tech tech being just such a competitive state space and such a saturated space. Now that so many people are moving into it. Like, like you said, people, some people are self taught. Some people um, spend years going into, co- you know, at college studying this stuff, and then some people sit at home and build a Hello World website and try to get a job and land an associate role. <laughs> so <Pretty much. laughs> it's all over the place. So with that being said, like with you having to, like you said earlier, because you have the best of both worlds at work, you were able to transfer that over to rebrand culture. Um, uh, we brand culture, so. With that happening, like, how did that kind of take place? How did you start to, like, build what a team was going to look like? Or did you say, like, hey, I can wear all the hats. I can do most of this myself with my partner.
1: Uh, Initially, we started ourselves. Like, it was uh, me. I did all of the design work and some development work. Um, One of my – it's two other people. Um, One of them, she does design and she does social media marketing and stuff like that. She's real good at mm-hmm. that. She does that for her job professionally.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: we had a uh, person who could do development, and she can do she, her main thing is photography and videography and uh, building content like that because mm-hmm. videos pretty much rule everything online now.
0: Yes. Um,
1: so initially, we started doing the work ourselves, and still, it's, it's like that to this day. We rarely outsource stuff because. I guess that could be a bad thing because you can't scale as much if you do yeah. all your stuff. Mm-hmm. But still, I would—I mean, you know, we've been doing this for a few years. I would kind of say it's still in the baby steps of building it. I mean, right now I kind of mm-hmm. do majority of the stuff now because of time constraints and people doing other stuff for their job and stuff like that. So I've mm-hmm. kind of been doing majority of it myself. So I kind of take on several projects, but I spaced them out a certain way. Uh, using my project management skills to space them out a certain way to where I can do everything at one time uh, Mm -hmm. without them conflicting with each other so
0: okay okay so yeah so y'all have a small team and then y'all just kind of work with the team have you thought about like scaling it to be like this mass company or are you kind of just like nah I know some people are okay with just having a small team you know
1: I definitely am Um, Mm -hmm. I'm actually in the process I started last September shifting more to uh, web design and SEO. So I've been Mm -hmm. doing SEO on my own site and it's been working. Like I've been, once I get it to a certain place, I'm gonna hand it off to a, uh, I'm gonna hire somebody, I'm Mm outsourced and I'm gonna let them just maintain what I got. Like if I get us to the second page, here's the plan, continue to do this until we get to the first page and then let's just maintain it. And then we can go Mm -hmm. out and get clients. So that's kind of what I'm working on now. So, um, because with everything shifting online, people need to be found. So Mm -hmm. best thing to do is SEO, like just doing web design and hey, here's the website and going on about your business is not going to get the money. But if you do SEO and you do it right now, you got a customer for as long as they want to rank. So that's continuous money coming in. So I've been working on making that shift here the last few months.
0: Yes, SEO is everything. Content is king. Always got a champion. <laughs> <laughs> Always got a champion content. I feel like we get slept on so much in the tech space, but we are really king around here. So
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't see her. Definitely don't see her.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Um, as far as like you just said with SEO, um, you're working on it yourself and then, you know, eventually you'll have to outsource it. When do you hit that point as an entrepreneur? When do you know, realize like, I can't continue to do this myself. I need to hire someone and pick this up.
1: Um, I mean, I, I guess you get to that point where you have so many projects, you can't do them all yourself. Um, Especially mm-hmm. when people, you know, you'll have people come in and say, I need I need a whole campaign set up with, you know, social media stuff, landing pages Email Mm -hmm. marketing, I need all that set up. So that takes a minute to set up yourself and the test and the work with the the client or whatever. So at that point, when you get five or six of those at one time, it's something to outsource. So Mm -hmm. I have, and I do a pretty good job of uh, processes and, you know, putting this all on a Google Drive. And I can just send you to the Google Drive that has a Google Doc and a video showing you how I do what I do. Just a real quick video rundown of where everything is set up. Wow. Um, I have templates that I use for people, um, on how the page should be laid out, but the design piece, they have to do themselves or whatever, but this is how it should mm-hmm. be laid out. So the functionality works whether mm-hmm. it's a desktop or a mobile size screen. So while I'm building my stuff, I'm also documenting everything. Yes. So yes. can't scale without documentation. So when I, I get was, to that point, yeah. then I'll be ready to go.
0: Okay. I was just good. I commend you so much for doing that because so many that documentation is skipped over so much. And, and just because that process that you have is so important to document, because like you said, you can't even scale to a second person. If you don't, if you can't tell them like how you've been doing what you've been doing. And that a lot of times is just like, I just need you to help, or I just, you know, I'll pay you to do this particular task. And there's no process documented. And so I think that's, I know for me as a technical writer by trade, even though that's not my role right now, um, it's always hard for me to kind of sell when I'm like trying to work with freelance clients. I'm like, hey, and also I can write your documentation for this, you know, in addition to the services that I'm providing. And it's always kind of like, that's not really that important. And I'm like, it is really important because like if I, if, if you know, even if something as simple as you, you hire me to, you know, write some articles for you or you hire me to uh, do some uh, UX writing for your UI, once I'm not there, where's the style sheet for the future writers? You know, when someone creates a, a new component or a new page and the content has changed on the page, the content is different, who's going to write that? And how are they going to know that it needs to be consistent? Especially if it's not someone who's like a, who's a trained UX writer, you know, stuff yeah. that we see, our eyes are trained to see You're you may not see that. Like you, you don't catch that the casing on this is off, but I do. And I, I see it yeah. makes your stuff look sloppy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sure. but that it documentation just, is important.
1: Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. I mean, you can't just put anybody in that role just because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a good writer on my blog doesn't mean I can go into uh, that role and be just as effective. So mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, the documentation is everything. I think that's an important part of entrepreneur skills that often gets looked over. Like, make sure that you're you're tracking stuff as you go. So, as I know, we already kind of touched on a lot of different aspects of rebrand culture already. But what makes it unique from like other digital marketing companies? Like you said earlier, there are so many out there that just spit up. And I know you say you can't, you already you have fifteen years of experience, but what else is like a selling point? What are your value props?
1: Um, mine would probably be if the uh, turnaround time on a product product that we can turn around, like I can, I can get your site. I mean, it's going to cost you, but I can get you a site up running, tested all that in a week. Mm. It's going to cost you, but I can get it done as most. Um, And that's mainly because I'm doing it myself.
0: Mm-hmm. But it also
1: takes collaboration with the client. If they're dragging their feet, I can't get it done in a week. Yeah. Um, But once again, I have a process for that. So once I onboard you into our system, you get an email with a uh, mm-hmm. form, fill the form out. If you don't know what you want to put in the form, you can always come back to it. It's just a Google form. There's nothing even um, that fancy. Mm-hmm. So it's all dependent on that. So I, get, I think the turnaround time and the attention to detail and mm-hmm. I guess just to prove is in the pudding. I mean, I have... We have examples. We have case studies. We have, we can show you how to do every single thing you want. Whether you want an e-comm site, you want a blog, you want a regular site, you want landing pages, email marketing, all that. Like we just not, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not just talking about it. We can show proof that we've done it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people do SEO and they don't have proof. They say, oh, I can do SEO. Where mm-hmm. your analytics at? Like where, Where? Yeah. Like, what are we looking at? Like mm-hmm. I see that so much. And I mean, I always try to help. I'm not, I don't hate it on anybody. Mm -hmm. it's it's more than enough clients out there like you getting into the same space as me doesn't hurt me
0: yeah
1: like i don't even really promote like i get a lot of my probably 80 to 90 percent of my business is word of mouth Mm -hmm. like i'll do something for somebody or we'll do something for somebody they'll put it out who did that they'll send them to us so Mm -hmm. we do we do very few um ads i guess you can say Mm.
0: some good social proofing for you like hey Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. You need you need that. And so I, yeah, I, I guess I
1: could I could say too. I mean, I guess I mean I, I did have a mentor when I started this, mm-hmm. and he ran up. I mean, he ran a Well, he not ran. He runs a digital marketing agency, and they make seven figures a year. Mm-hmm. So he didn't mind showing me the ropes and what to do and how to set things up, which was very important because otherwise I would just be out doing it myself, making mistakes mm-hmm. and trying to fix them. So I will definitely give him props. On I uh, actually met him through the the program we was in. The guy, mm-hmm. yeah. Zach. Yeah. So Yeah. Good guy. Yeah.
0: So for listeners, uh, we were actually in a mentorship program in my hometown. Uh, so, uh, you know, and that was actually a really, really good program. I know I talk a lot about a mentorship, mentorships on this show, or guests will talk about it, but I actually like joined, Rod and I joined like this program strategically to pair you with mentors and, and, work on your career goals and whatnot so I definitely found a lot of value in it and I'm sure from what you're saying you found some value in that too definitely did yeah yeah for sure um so and my mentor was actually um a project manager ironically you know what's also funny I also ended up finding her a (laughs) job (laughs) it was interesting i was i was networking my butt off because i was trying to make the transition to the company i'm in now before i I realized that's where i was going and um i came across an opportunity and you know sometimes like it was i know people say like even if you don't think you're qualified still go to the interview it was one of those things where they hit me up and i was like i know i'm not qualified for this job i don't even understand half the terms but i said i'm gonna show up and make this connection because maybe he can connect me with someone else and I don't want to waste his time and so I realized that my mentor would probably be a good connect so I met up with him and I was upfront. I was like hey you know uh these are my skills I'm not sure how I could plug in here and he told me what he was looking for and I was like hey I can't actually do those things but I know someone who can I can get you connected to her then oh, they had an interview and she actually landed the job. Yeah,
1: yeah. Networking.
0: <laughs> Networking is everything. Networking is everything. So I thought that was a, a funny outcome that came out of that. But it was definitely a dope program. And um, I believe the creator of Match or the co-founder of Match was also. Yep.
1: That's, that's, really, that's really who I wanted, to be honest. But I mean, Zach's cool. Yeah, guy. I
0: think everybody wanted him.
1: <laughs> Zach is a cool guy, but I definitely wanted him for what I was trying to do at the time. So.
0: Yeah, it was cool. Just to we we had like a, a speed dating thing and we got to meet all the mentors. And I think it was uh cool just to like when he was like, yeah, so I created Match. And he talked about what it was like to be on the Internet in the early days. And basically how everything he learned from the Internet was because no one else was there to teach it. Cause it was, it was new. <laughs> yeah. Really cool. a tangent, but that's just, still a cool fact. And I think that's important to highlight the, the importance of mentorship. So to, uh, to kind of speak on that, how did you know that you were ready for a mentor?
1: Um, I mean, I guess me personally, I've always, I'm a very teachable person, so I don't mind people. I don't care old I am. I'm going to always have a mentor. I mean, I've had mentors from, I mean, the earliest age I can remember is probably seven or eight. So mm-hmm. always had some type of mentor where there was a coach or like a legit mentor or somebody at school or something like that. Uh coming up. Uh I guess like I guess I was fortunate. I was in certain situations where I was identified as more of a a a gifted child. So mm-hmm. they would seek, people would seek to come and mentor me or whatever, I guess, to keep even mm-hmm. though know, I came from a two-parent household, you know, sometimes they see. Black children they think that they need that extra whatever like I got a right. whole daddy, got a whole daddy at home, but I'll take the mentorship or whatever and learn whatever I can learn so mm-hmm. i mean I'm, i mean I've always had mentors I mentor like i it's 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 a very important part, and some people are too prideful to get a mentor because they feel like they know mm-hmm. everything or they don't want anybody telling them something or they want to learn the hard way like take the mentor and skip the skip the line
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Take the mentor and skip the line. I'm gonna have to quote that because uh, that that's a good one. Yeah, I'm I feel you on that. And so, yeah, some people are too prideful to have mentors and and feel like they know everything. And I I feel I don't never that mentality. I don't think you can grow when you feel like if I know everything, what is there to learn? Right? I, I mean, this universe is so vast. There's so many billions of people on this planet how could me in my 30 years know everything <laughs> okay. there's no way how could me in my 80 years know everything you yeah. know so uh yeah I, I i feel you on that but you definitely have to just like have that humility and say like look i'm going to you know find someone who has already done this and nine times out of ten pretty almost everything you've done someone has done something similar to it or did that exact thing already <laughs>
1: Yeah, people do it at work all the time. They don't think they're Mm -hmm. getting mentored, but when you don't know something at work, what you're going to sit at your desk and not do it and get fired? Or are you going to ask for some help? Like,
0: Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. So you're doing it either way. Yeah, and I think uh, another important call out that you said is that you also mentor. And I think that's so important that you have to give back. So I'm the same way. I still have a mentor. Every time I go to a new company, I try to find like someone who either indirectly or directly explicitly is my mentor. Yeah. And so I have a mentor in my, at my new company and she's in a VP role. She knows I'm aspiring to get to a VP role and I mentor associates who are trying to get to my role, you know? So like it, it has to continue on and on. And um, you know, just, just to give back and the further you are in your career, like it's, it's, I think like sometimes it doesn't feel like it's happening, but the more that you kind of move um, and learn things, you kind of look back and realize how much knowledge you have now that you can share. You know, sure. didn't realize that, that was happening. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So one thing I wanted to ask you about the name We Brand Culture, where did that come from? And who is the we?
1: We is um us as black people. Um, I mean, if you look at it, yes, <laughs> like the word culture, if you look up the word culture, there I mean they're talking about black culture. A lot of st- black culture runs a lot of stuff in the world. Like mm-hmm. regardless if we get credit for it or not,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it it stems from us. Like we may not get credit for it and some people get mad about it. It's nothing you're really gonna do about it other than Make it, make a change. Like, do something. Like, people get mad. Like, when an app takes off, oh, the black culture made the app take off. We didn't get any equity about it. They didn't. You didn't build the app. Like, you didn't code anything. You didn't go get funding. You didn't do anything. All you Mm -hmm. did was use it. You're the product. You're the product. You are the. You are the um proof of concept right now. There's a hot one right now. I don't want to date this. I'm not gonna say the name of it. There's a hot one (laughs) right now. And people are upset because it yes. is take we just got a billion dollar evaluation, which is kind of low for mm-hmm. an app. And people are upset because no black people got credit for it. Nobody coded that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We didn't we wasn't in the in the meetings and none of that. We we got presented it to us. Mm-hmm. We used it. We provided proof of concept. They got paid. So
0: yeah, I'ma drop the app. <laughs> cuz yeah i plan on, i plan on dropping this interview fairly soon so yeah. it'll still be popping when i drop it but um that conversation about clubhouse I feel like a a lot of stuff that's come out of that has been interesting to me. One being the possibility of there being another round of funding in which a certain percentage is allocated towards black investors um, because of the 60% um, user demographic that we make up allegedly of the the app. I'm not saying it's not true. Just saying, I don't know the quotes on that number, but, um, and, and I think, I think it's interesting too that we flock to it as a user As a product, as you said, as a tester, because it's still in beta, which people keep forgetting that it's still in beta. (laughs) Um, So and that's why these feature updates keep happening. And we keep getting these new things that are going on because it's in beta. Um, And and while that's happening, you know, we're kind of trying to stake our claim when we could create our own competitor
1: app. There is a competitor. It's called, and I don't like the name of it, but there is a competitor. It's called the Cookout.
0: I heard, yeah. And, uh, I cannot, I can't
1: find it. Like, I got to look for it, I cannot mm-hmm. find, cannot yeah. find it on no. I don't know where it is. So
0: neither can I. And I have heard, I've heard the same that Cookout is a competitor app. Um, but I have not been able to find it myself either. So, so. And, and that's another thing
1: is if <laughs> mm-hmm. you do make the competitor learn how to market it. Like if you mm-hmm. there's a user base right there waiting on you. You can literally take. I mean, if it's it's the same app from what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Now there are some people who are gonna shun it and say, oh, "Ah, no, I think I'm gonna stick with Clubhouse." That happens. Mm-hmm. But who who says that? Because um, I seen a Gary V. interview the other day where he said he doesn't know if Clubhouse is gonna make it because he didn't know if it was a real product or was it a feature? Can another mm. product like a product like a Twitter or an Instagram or a Facebook, well, Facebook and Instagram the same? Could they take that and make it a feature? That's what he didn't know. He said, I'm all in on mm-hmm. this. Because I don't know if it's a real actual product or is it just a feature?
0: That is really interesting. I didn't think about that. Um, I almost say I feel like the appeal of Clubhouse is A, the the fact that it's invite only right now, which we know is temporary, but we know Facebook started off using the same model yeah. um until they eventually made it public. But I think that's one of the appeals. I think also think one of the appeals is the fact that you are not forced to have a conversation. You're not forced to be on stage. You don't really have to give away identifying information about yourself. So you don't have to link your Twitter or your IG. You don't have a wall to constantly post things about yourself. So really, if you're careful with how you name yourself on Clubhouse, you can be somewhat anonymous. Yep. Um, I think that's the the appeal of it and so I feel like if you take it and you directly force people to use it through like Twitter like they have it linked to their Twitter account or Facebook it kind of takes away some of that anonymity and I think some of that appeal may go away.
1: Twitter does have a competitor. A lot of people don't even know what it is it's called Twitter Spaces. It's out right now. Mm-hmm. They already wrote it out. It's the exact same thing as Clubhouse. So mm. a lot of people don't know about it yet but I think they'll put more marketing behind it and it should be pushing this year so
0: wow already huh already i guess i mean and i feel like i know that i don't know if you've heard but you know clubhouse sometimes it's called cap house there we go yep. oh
1: yeah most definitely cap I, house. Honestly, I stop <laughs> using it for that reason i'm like man everybody in here is an expert in something like i don't like i don't i don't know so.
0: yeah yeah i still love it i use it because i've I found enough rooms where it's not, that stuff is not as important. Like I'm in a lot of rooms where writers collab or designers collab or we share ideas, you know, stuff where you don't have to get on stage and be somebody to say something, you know. um, So I found some of those that have been useful, but um, I feel like a part of that, again, is because it's not tied to an IG or Twitter unless you want it to be. Once you start doing that and you can link people to their actual identities and you can actually see that you're just talking yeah. You know, are people gonna want to be on board with that?
1: Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like I said, I, I have found some very useful rooms. Uh, I got a lot of good information from, uh, I guess you could say pseudo celebrities, people that are not like big, huge, like mm-hmm. on brand celebrities, but they're like internet celebrities, like big podcasters, YouTube or stuff like that. Yeah. I go in the rooms with them, and they'll start talking about stuff, and it's like I learned a lot of stuff by doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: but there is a lot of people that go in other rooms. Uh, I made a million dollars off this and all that and this and this and that. And then you go do mm-hmm. your research on them and they like, it doesn't match up.
0: So It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I feel you on that. Yeah. You definitely have to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, I think everything on the internet requires discernment, you know, because oh, yeah. it's always some people capping on the internet. But <laughs> from from your perspective as a product manager, I'm curious about, um, like, what are your thoughts on Clubhouses? I know this is now turning to a Clubhouse conversation. I'm a pivot back, but what are your thoughts on like the UI? Because I feel like that's one of the weakest parts of it, and I think the visual appeal of it is very low. It's uh, it's terrible. Like I didn't even yeah. know.
1: I didn't know the um, you know, when you first land on the page and you mm-hmm. scroll up and look at the the rooms. I didn't know that was called the hallway.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It makes sense when you yeah. Think about it. I was in a room, I guess, with one of the developers, and he was talking about it, and he was. I'm like, you know what? That makes sense. It's called the hallway. But yeah, the UI is mm-hmm. terrible. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like they say, if you ship when it's perfect, you might have shipped too late. So they may have just yeah. something out there.
0: Yeah. As
1: soon as possible. I'm pretty sure the UI is gonna change. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen them add some interactions and stuff like that here and there. Like, I'm the guy when they roll the new features out and you they that screen pops up. I'm reading, mm-hmm. it. I want to know what they changed. Me too, me too. Some people just click off to get to the rooms. I want to know exactly what changed so I can tell people. Mm -hmm. i know like hey you may not want to do this because you're gonna get kicked off
0: yeah yeah same i've been keeping up with the feature updates too um and i I like that they kind of added the way that you could customize um your interests and stuff like that but yeah the ui is horrible only reason i knew that was called the hallway is because hearing other people talk about it in in clubhouse like onboard experience as a whole is not all that great um i wanted to create my own club literally spent weeks researching trying to figure out how do i create my own club for black executive couldn't figure it out until literally i joined a facebook group for clubhouse (laughs) and someone posted it in there and it linked me to another doc somewhere Mm. else that walked me through how to do it so i was like come on y'all gotta i know it's in the beta stage so i'm i'm trying to give it some grace I know what it's like, especially working in the product development space. You have to, you know what that's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but man.
1: <laughs> I'm with you. I still don't know how to do it. I um, I need to go Google that myself, but uh, yeah, I was trying to yeah. figure out how to do something because um, I was trying to find other black designer and developers. I didn't really see them on there. Now they're starting to pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, but initially when I first got on there, I didn't see a lot. I said, maybe I should start a room. Mm-hmm. or a group and people can join and do whatever they want to do if they see the name they'll know okay that room's for me yeah or that club's for me so
0: yeah I, are we friends on there i don't remember we i don't are. know if we can we are i will have to yeah. find you add you to some clubs because i've i found my way into some clubs i'm in a couple of them for designers and whatnot um but yeah it's definitely be, been an interesting experience i know it's a little off topic from our interview but i think it's cool to have this conversation with someone else who's in the product space especially a product manager because you know like this is like pretty much something that you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, launch these products and stuff like this.
1: Yeah. yeah. Even though we we've launched some ugly products, but I mean it works. <laughs> <laughs> it got the job done. Yes. It is what it is. And we've moved on. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. You just gotta do what you do and move on. Okay. So kind of pivoting back into like your daily workflow and what that looks like because you know, during the day you're like super product manager and in the evening you're like super entrepreneur. So what uh, does your daily workflow look like on average? Um,
1: I mean, actually since I've started working from the house, it actually got lighter. Um, Mm -hmm. the way I space my meetings out, um, unless there's like something going on, I don't really, I don't schedule back to back meetings. We have an unspoken rule at work where we don't do meetings on Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, you'll have somebody try to squeeze one in every now and then, but I'm not, accepting it um mm. unless it's like something important but yeah uh, for the most part i mean i do my emails in the morning we have our meetings uh we prepare for our releases um i pretty much try to do all my stuff on the front end that way i'm kind of just not really coasting but you're kind of just on call for you know the remainder of the sprint
0: mm-hmm. so while
1: we're getting ready to put something out like if something goes wrong if i got to rebuild something like i have to rebuild something here that may cause an issue because it's actually going to double the price. So I'm preparing myself mentally to have this conversation mm. with the stakeholder because like, they thought it was going to be a small change. But like most people that don't know about creative stuff, it's not mm-hmm. that easy. Like yeah. we have to back code out. We have to redo stuff. We got to get it retested. We got to revalidate it. We got to send it to the stakeholder for them to test.
0: Mm-hmm. We got to do
1: some ADA stuff. It's all over the place.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: we're going to charge for all that. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that. So, I mean, my day is pretty simple. Um, I got a pretty good workflow. Like I said, I do emails, uh, meetings, um, and I just kind of plan the remainder of the year um, as far as sprints. Mm-hmm. They send in requests, and I have to find out what day works for it or whatever. Um, we do like 24 releases a year, and we do like four big ones. Mm. So like right now, I'm just working on a bigger one we got coming. So that takes a majority of my time, making sure we got everything in line for that. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of people, like I say, when it comes to code, a lot of people don't know it's something called ADA. Yeah. And If you don't get it right, you can cause some major problems. So that's what I'm really working on, focusing on right now. Yeah. And it's subjective to who's testing it. Like it's still a human human being putting their eyes on this at the end of the day. So one person will say this. You do the next scan. Oh, this, this, and that. People are like, but that person said, like that person doesn't matter. I'm doing it now. So yeah, it's 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 a back and forth uh, battle that I've been dealing with the last two and a half years, three years since I've been doing this role.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and one and one thing I would say too that I noticed is that a lot of it can be subjective because tech is still, even though it's an established industry, like it's still a lot of things that are new that a lot of times don't pop up until they pop up. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, now this is the issue. Like yep. we didn't know, we didn't realize that was an issue, but now it is. And That's you got to pay.
1: <laughs> a <fact. laughs> Nate, and that is a, well, they give us opportunity to fix it before we got to pay, but you only get so many chances.
0: Yes. Yeah. For real. For real. Um, And I think that I know for me, that was like a very different awakening. Um, Being on the product side and, and seeing that. And it's like, I think, and, it's some other role sometimes. You kind of that blow gets soft but when you're in the tech space and the product side, like, nah. Yeah. Everybody's gonna feel that. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. That is a fact.
0: Yeah, yeah. So in the in the evening, you're in your entrepreneur flow. What are your favorite tools for like managing those tasks?
1: Uh so my when I do my own stuff, I use uh right now, I mean I've tried a few different ones. Right now I'm using uh something called honey book. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like a all in one. I guess you could kind of say like a CRM tool, but it has everything Mm -hmm. in it. Like it has, um, you can bill, you can make templates for your billing. You can make templates for your emails. Mm -hmm. You can, um, you can communicate with the customer. That way you don't have 50 emails all over the place or different email threads Nice. You kind of put it all in one. So I've tried several different ones. So I'm using that. I'm using HoneyBook. I use Asana for my personal, um, Mm -hmm. organization. And of course I use Slack. I got a lot of, I got a few automations going through Slack, which is the only reason I use it because I'm not talking to anybody other than other programs. Mm -hmm. So when a customer, I mean, when a client hits, sends an email to Honeybook, I get an alert here, here, then I get, it does this. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to pull myself out of certain things. So like if I'm asking for an asset from them, it's set up to go to my Google Drive Mm -hmm. and it stays there instead of me having to go through, 15 emails. Was, and I just started using that in July because at first I was just yeah. using email and it got a little messy. And, um, I got, I got, I think I got a, um, I got a discount where it's like a dollar a month. is mm. 40 a month. So I, was like, I can't beat a dollar a month. Let me try this out. So I'm going to mm. stick with the $40 a month when I get done. Cause it's definitely worth it. So not trying to get HoneyBook an endorsement, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a pretty good tool for entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah, that sounds dope. Especially since you can automate things. I know that's something I'm. I'm still looking for tools to help with that because I'm like, I have so many things going, and I'm like, I need just some of the stuff to be automated. Oh, yeah. Some stuff I shouldn't have to do manually every single day. <laughs>
1: you should look yeah. into uh, Zapier too. I mean, you can go in there and a lot of I've, is yeah, free. I've tr- I've uh, tried
0: them. I've tried them. I'll have to pick them back up. I yeah. will need to play with it a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Um, you also I noticed you mentioned Asana. One thing I always loved about Asana, I I used to use Asana, I'm in Jira now. Um, but one thing I love about Asana is the micro animations, like when you, like the unicorn that goes across the screen when oh, yeah, you yeah, accomplish the yeah. task. Yeah. I think that's such that's so important. I think there's um, such like customer centric product design that people often sleep on. Like, yeah, how do you how do you gamify and make something fun like managing a bunch of tasks for work? Boring. <laughs> Pretty boring. You know. Much. And Asana managed to do that with with their UI. I appreciate those things for sure. Yeah. yeah plug in a lot of products just then. But um <laughs> I swear y'all, none of them pay me. They need to though. Hit me up. I can use that check. But um, yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah. So what is the problematic workflow that you have? Um behavior that you have in your workflow?
1: Um I would probably say maybe. Spending too much time on one task instead of breaking it up, mm. um, and I I know what it is now. Then I watched a movie called Soul, and they brought up something about the flow state, which I read about that in a book. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, like when I'm designing something for like a client, I'll look up, and I've been sitting there for seven, eight hours,
0: mm.
1: back not hurting, none of mm-hmm. that. I mean, you know, just working.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, not saying work less, but, you know, work more efficient. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll get to being too tedious. Like, Oh, let me do this. up, oh, don't like that. Let me switch this up oh, mm-hmm. like that. Let me fix this. And then by the time I send it to the client, they love it. They love like the first iteration of it. Mm-hmm. I'm, on, I'm on iteration 20. Yeah. I could have just sent them the first one and they have been happy with it. So mm-hmm. I think one is definitely just spending too much time on stuff and, uh, managing emails. Um, mm-hmm. Not at work. I'm pretty, pretty good at it at work. But on my personal like emails can get up there like uh, and client emails will get buried, which is why I switched to like Mm -hmm. HoneyBook because I don't have to worry about it. it It's always up on my computer Mm -hmm. and I see it pings me when a client reaches out with a question or whatever. I answer it real quick like I'm at work and get back to what I'm doing. So,
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. Seems like HoneyBook has really helped you out a lot. I swear, I swear y'all don't have a deal with them. I promise. I promise <laughs> I don't. <laughs> okay, right. So what are a few steps that you would tell someone who is looking to, maybe, they, maybe during the day they do the same thing. Maybe they're like, I'm a product manager at work and I feel like I can take these skills elsewhere and like create my own thing. What would you tell them to do to kind of get started or even to vet to see if that's something they want to do?
1: Um... First thing they should probably do is try freelancing. I mean, you can take this skill set and go freelance. And uh, there's a lot of companies that I hire you as a freelancer to do the same work you do to, for them in your spare mm-hmm. time. Uh, like you can go to these freelance sites and like if, you, if you're if you a project manager or a product manager or whatever. You can go on there and just free, just take one product, project and see if you can translate your skills from work to over there. Mm -hmm. get the same results. If you can, you have a business. So now Mm -hmm. take on five clients. It may not take you but a few hours to do what they need you to do, but you have a business now and it's not Mm going to take you eight hours to do it. It doesn't take me eight hours to do my job Mm -hmm. So because I'm efficient with it. Um, But if you could take those same skills and relate them over to a freelance situation, now you got a business, now turn it into a business, scale it up, show other people how to do it also. And that way you pull yourself out of it and you're just not really micromanaging them. You're just making sure they're doing your process. Yeah. To get the same results. So um, that's what I would do as far as that. But as far as like on the other side of it, like a designer or d- developer or something like that, start building, uh, start doing mm-hmm. stuff for free. A lot of people don't want to do stuff for free. Mm-hmm. Do it for free or super cheap until you yeah. get enough to build a portfolio and then you start charging more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, people people sleep on that. When I was first starting to venture out into the UXW space, UX writing space, and my background was just in technical writing, and while, while they're very similar and overlap, there are some differences and concepts I had to learn that I didn't know. You know, I I went out and like was looking on um, sites that take volunteers so that you can like take on projects and and pick up a few projects here or there, and I found um, a small business in my hometown who needed some help, and I kind of. Pretty much like stepped into a product management role there and did um, some UXW and UI work. I had to wear multiple hats, but that experience helped me land the position that I wanted that was paid. <laughs> and it being one of the highest paying jobs I had in my career. Um, because I took the time to do that. So yeah, sometimes you, you have to do that. I think people sleep on that they're like I need to get paid. You gotta you gotta have a skill set to get paid first. People not gonna hire you to play on their stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> got to one one term that people overlook is uh they they've been telling us this since I can remember is skills pay the bills. I mean you mm. overlook it, but it, mm-hmm. they've been telling us this
0: since the beginning. Yeah,
1: gotta have skills. So
0: yeah, you got to have those skills for real, for real. So that is all good advice. We're going to get ready to wrap up. So I have my three questions that I ask all of my guests. That you just have to go through a ceremonial uh, on Black Executives. So the first one is, what is your current read or a recommended read?
1: Um, right now I'm reading a book called The uh, Daily Stoic. It's a mm-hmm. it's a 365 day meditation on wisdom, mm-hmm. perseverance, and the art of living. So it has nothing to do with anything I do.
0: It That's
1: just, cool. And pretty much it just teaches you how to um not take things so serious and mm-hmm. how to uh hold yourself accountable. So when stuff happens, don't always look at who's the reason why it happened. Like, what did I do mm. to make this happen? Or mm. What can I do to change the outcome next time?
0: Mm. That's a good one. I'm gonna have to check that one out. Daily Stoic. Yeah, yeah. That's by uh Ryan Holiday. Awesome, awesome. And if you're listening, you know you can find this on BlackExecutive.com on Rod's web page for this episode. And if you're watching, it'll be in the YouTube description below. All right, next question. So how do you think your work impacts the Black community?
1: Um, I would say that a lot of uh, younger Black males do kind of look at you. You may not know they're watching you. So you have to watch the way you, well, I watch the way I move. I mean, I have a mm-hmm. son in, and I do coach uh, you sports and the kids do watch how you move. Mm. They watch what kind of car you drive, they watch how you dress. they watch how you i mean they watch everything and they 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 take notice of how you smell mm. and that stuff is gonna impact them like if you come around right. and you look like a nice clean cut guy, you got a nice vehicle, you look like you're doing something, they wanna know what are you doing to get where I can get there mm. so I always make sure I carry myself a certain way, especially around my son because I want him to make sure he know he has no excuse. To not do something right when you get older, like you you watched it from the beginning, right? Um, I just try to ma- be the example. Um, mm-hmm. like they, said, they always say, don't. What does it say? They say, don't be the person. Something about don't be the person you you wanted, like be the person you you needed when you were young.
0: Mm-hmm, Yes, so that's
1: what I try to do coming up, just always be mindful of what I'm doing when I'm around the younger people. Like you can't help many older people, but the younger people are always looking. Yeah. So,
0: Yeah, they're always looking. Yeah, I love that. You you have to uh, be aware of the example that you're setting, and they're always observing. Oh yeah, they're not. All right. And what final advice do you have for fellow business professionals and entrepreneurs who are trying to carve their own paths?
1: Um, you just gotta be patient. You gotta have Mm -hmm. um, you gotta have a never die attitude. Always be learning. Mm -hmm. Never feel like you know enough like even when you get into your job like learn um more like when i became a um a few years back when i became a business analyst i was i took a business analyst course even though i had mm-hmm. i had been one for like three years i took a course mm-hmm. it was like a, it was like a 400 hundred dollar course i just wanted to be more efficient in my job which helped me mm-hmm. get a better job mm-hmm. it helped me get the job that i got now so mm-hmm. Just always gotta be learning. You gotta always be have patience because it's not gonna happen on your time. Like mm-hmm. you may feel like you're getting overlooked at a job, especially if you are a minority. Sometimes yeah. it may feel like you get overlooked, but just work work hard in the next person. Cause it might not be that job that gets you the opportunity you want. It might be another job that sees the potential.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I guarantee you, when you leave that job that you're currently at that did not give you the, the job, they're gonna be like, dang, that's mm-hmm. what the talent leave.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely, definitely, um, and I think that's that's really important when you are a valuable asset to your company and when you're a rarity in your field. they hate to lose you, they hate it, they hate yeah. it, yeah, all right, rod, so last question, how can people find you to keep pace with your creative journey?
1: uh, they can follow me on um instagram uh it's I am creative rod, or you can um. Find me on uh, WeBrandCulture.com. Um, I don't post much on Instagram right now because I'm working on something, but I do. I have picked back up on my posting, so mm-hmm. you can follow me there on Instagram.
0: All right. So y'all heard that. That is how you can contact him. And if you're looking for someone to help you with your marketing, digital assets, what else? Y'all do so much stuff. Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> you need help with web design right now, web design or SEO, um, mm-hmm. or just branding in general definitely hit us up uh webrandculture.com
0: hit them up for sure for sure awesome well thank you for taking the time to talk to the audience today and sharing your expertise i have enjoyed following your journey as i've known you and like kind of when that back when i was still home you know kind of seeing each other in the same places because great minds think alike
1: <laughs> <laughs> especially here, sm- small areas uh
0: yeah yeah small town so everybody knows who's actually about their business and who playing oh yeah most definitely <laughs> all right well thanks for being on the show rad i appreciate it all right thank you thanks for watching black executive join the conversation in the comments below and be sure to like and subscribe you can find a full list of all available podcast episodes on black or wherever you stream until next time keep aspiring to inspire